0: Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. Hi, everybody. We're so glad that you're here with us in our living room. In our Life Talks, we're going through Proverbs. It's exciting. I just love wisdom.
1: Amen to that, sister, wife, pretty girl.
0: (laughs) And you know when it says when you love wisdom, you get riches, honor, and long life. And there's all different forms of riches, riches of wisdom and answers for your life and joy. So today we're just going to pray that God's going to unfold the Word of God that's going to bring answers and understanding for you, your life, your family, your business, your calling. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we have the mind of Christ. We are led by you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that our eyes are open, our ears are open to hear and see what your will is today, your way and your will. We'll hear it. We understand it. We'll walk in it, and we'll go forward all for your glory. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Today's one of my favorites, Proverbs 8. I so love Do I keep saying that every time? Every I, time. I, every time? Yeah. <laughs> Proverbs 8, honestly, is just such a powerful... If you want to talk about wisdom, you go to Proverbs 8. It's such a powerful chapter. Of course, you know, the whole book, it just seems like every chapter is so exciting. So Proverbs 8, let's kick it off with Proverbs 8, verse 1. It says, Does not skillful and godly wisdom cry out, and understanding raise her voice... In contrast to the loose woman.
0: And as we know, as we've gone through this before, you can't just get so locked in to a particular woman. This is also metaphoric where it talks about people that are seducing. Situations that are seducing. Did I say metaphoric? Yeah. Is that the yeah, right no, word? Okay. Yeah, I felt, like, <laughs> I felt like that was a good use of. I was metaphor. like, oh, I, I tend to <laughs> say... metaphorically speaking.
1: <laughs> I like that. Yeah, does not skillful and godly wisdom cry out and understanding raise her voice? So, Pam, here we go again. In the Hebrew language, there are genders assigned to nouns. For example, the Hebrew word for land is feminine. So, a portion of scripture referring to the destruction, let's say, of the land, might use the pronoun her. Saying they destroyed her. Yeah. Many times when God talks about Israel, he uses the pronouns her and she. Obviously, the patriarch Jacob, who became Israel, is a man, but the nation is often personified as a woman, which would include millions of men, women, and children. That's right. Wisdom is personified as a woman throughout Proverbs, just like on the opposite side of the spectrum, immorality, seduction is personified as a feminine personality. We know God is the Father, God is the Son, not the mother and the daughter, but God the Father and God the Son. Right. In Genesis one twenty seven. it says, God created man in his own image, in the image and likeness of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Adam and Eve are ultimately created in the image of God, mm-hmm. and God is one. So God is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is represented in Isaiah and Revelation as the seven spirits, including wisdom and understanding. No wonder we have to look at the beauty of man and woman together, two distinct genders, with the privilege of procreation so that we can begin to comprehend the genesis of our creation right. and the great gift of identity that God has given us in his image jesus has made quote wisdom and righteousness unto us in 1st corinthians chapter 1 so look jesus and wisdom are one just like the father and the son are one but at the same time they're distinct water is one and yet it's hydrogen and oxygen two distinct elements and no, you can't reduce God to a compound, but you can trust that he is one because his word is true and absolute truth. Well, it's Man, good. this is good. It's so good. I think that's really interesting. So back to Proverbs 8, it's talking about wisdom from the feminine side of it, giving us a picture of wisdom as a woman. And wisdom cries out and understanding raises her voice in contrast to the other voice that Of destruction and seduction. Yeah, the feminine voice of seduction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, you can have a man that has a seducing spirit. Right, right.
0: Two, on the top of heights beside the way, where the paths meet, stands wisdom, skillful and godly. I like that. Can I like really it too. Picture be,
1: that, can't yeah, you? Yeah, you get a location of wisdom on the top of the heights, beside the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say, and you'll find wisdom like in the low pits. That's where you go search. It's on the top of the heights, beside the way, where the paths meet. It's kind of like where the paths meet. That's a crossroad. Yeah, wisdom stands at the crossroad. A lot of times, people want to seek wisdom after the decision's made and right. they pass the crossroad. No, at the place of decision, verse three, at the gates at the entrance of the town, at the coming in, at the doors, she cries out. Don't look for wisdom once you've gone into somebody's house that you shouldn't be in. You should be looking for wisdom before. Wisdom, should I be going to that person's house? Wisdom's going, yeah. Should I, I be
0: partnering with that person? Should I be in a very, I go very into business close with relationship? That right. Yeah. And so many times I think because we're so busy, and we're so driven. Sometimes we're even driven by good things, Right. even spiritual duties, you know, so to speak. My spiritual My duties. My spiritual duties. But we can't ever not have enough margin to take a breath and listen before we make the decision. Now, God's merciful. We've had many times in our life where we've called on the mercy of God after we made the decision, realizing it was wrong, and said, God, can you redeem this? Of course, He's so merciful. He does. Absolutely. But Thank but God we don't want to we don't choose to do that. We say, Lord, we know the consequences of that, and your redeemer we're so thankful for that. But we'd rather stop, take a deep breath. But in this world, everything is so driven, and there's hardly any margin to even take that moment to think things through and make a quality decision.
1: Listen, I know what it's like to seek wisdom after I've gone past the crossroad. Yeah. And again, like you said, Pam, God is merciful, He's good. He's forgiving. We can repent of our ways. And I've had to do a lot of repenting in my life and made a lot of mistakes where I sought wisdom after the crossroad, not before. But it's good to know, for me, this is what this book, why it's so important in my heart and soul, is that wisdom is speaking at the crossroad, at the coming in, at the doorway. Right. Get wisdom then. And so, you know, from my mistakes and from knowing what it's like to walk a road without wisdom's counsel and how bad it is, now I'm like, oh. I don't ever want to go through a door. I don't ever want to walk a road, go past a crossroad without first consulting wisdom because she is so... Wisdom is my sister, like we learned in the last chapter. Uh, Understanding my close kinswoman. And I want to get wisdom first, even if it takes all day and night just to keep pursuing wisdom before I make a decision here. Verse four.
0: To you, O men and women, I call and my voice is directed to the sons of men. So to everybody, (laughs) right?
1: Right. This is for you daughters too. Yeah. Oh, you simple and thoughtless ones. Now, to take this right away, it's going to say, Stephen, you're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to be willing to consider yourself as part of the simple and the thoughtless ones. Oh, you simple and thoughtless ones, understand prudence. And like you said, Pam, prudence means foresight for the future. You have to understand the concept of planning ahead a foresight for the future of knowing what the harvest is going to be, predicting the harvest before you even sow the seed. You self-confident fools, be of an understanding heart. So in other words, there's hope for the most foolish of us. And man, I know there's been times in my life I've been so foolish in my decisions. And I think how merciful God's been to help me and pull me back up out of the muck and mire.
0: I think there's a key here. Don't be a self-confident fool. There's another scripture, you probably know where it's at, where it says, prosperity ruins a fool. Yeah. So a foolish heart, it doesn't say it ruins a wise person. Right. Prosperity, you know, currency of money, of things in a wise person's hand, right. it feeds many. It's a blessing to the world. It actually promotes not only your life, but others around you. Brings joy. But prosperity, we've seen that so many on TV, people that have even won like lotteries,
1: millions of dollars. Or political position, political office. Yes, and prosperity, has influence. even influence
0: yeah. or a position, and they implode because their hearts are self-confident and they don't humble themselves to God's wisdom and God's understanding. Number six, hear for I will speak excellent and princely things, and the opening of my lips shall be for right things.
1: It said, doesn't matter what position you're in, verse five, you can be even a fool in the position of a fool. And it admonishes us to have an understanding heart. And verse six, hear, have an understanding heart listen, hear, pay attention. Wisdom says, I will speak excellent and princely things. I've never known anything but excellent and princely things to come out of the mouth of wisdom. That's why I love listening to wisdom. That's why what we're doing right now, and for all of you listening and taking time just to spend with Pam and I, going through the Word of God and hearing these Proverbs, you are feeding your heart, mind, and soul. The Word of God, we know, is even moistening the marrow of your bones. So, I mean, it helps elevate your immune system. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, right? So, as we listen to and speak princely things, wisdom is speaking right things to us, and it's advantaging us for the future. Verse 7, wisdom says, For my mouth shall utter truth and wrongdoing... Is detestable and loathsome to my lips. Mm. Number eight, all the words of my mouth
0: are righteous. They're upright and in right standing with God. There is nothing contrary to truth or crooked in them. You know, I think it's important, you know, how the other day we were talking about on a previous podcast, talking about how sometimes we call out where it says, call out to wisdom. You're yeah. my friend. You're right. my, intimate my friend. And so we do that. And I think it's important. Uh, we say a lot of things in the day, some things that we shouldn't say of negativity or or grumbling or whatever. How about as we talk out loud and say, you know, literally talk to our mouth like King David said, Bless the. Lord, on oh my soul, like mouth, you will utter truth today in the name of Jesus. You will speak words that are upright and right standing mm. with God. Mouth, you will not say contrary or crooked things. Mouth, you will speak truth. You will speak wisdom and understanding. You will speak princely good, and princess things.
1: That's good. You know, it, you it will makes speak me, royal things. You know what it makes me think is that, you know, what you were saying is sometimes people, good people, just difficult circumstances happen. You know, right now you and I are going through some difficult things just even with sickness and some... Some of our family members, yeah. and you know, and it can weigh on you, and it can, it seems to almost be waiting for you at every corner. Some of these challenges and heartaches, and I've heard people in pressing circumstances say, Oh, life just stinks, or you know, even life sucks, and you know, yeah. just yeah. kind of adhere to the world's way of talking. But listen, my friend. Let's be honest. Wisdom, there's nothing contrary or crooked in wisdom's words. When we read the Bible, life doesn't suck. Life is beautiful. Absolutely. It's the curse that stinks. You're not kidding. It's the curse that is rugged and hard and awful and demoralizing. It's the curse that makes you sick. It's the curse. It's all that stuff that comes under the heading of curse, sin, sickness, disease, poverty. All of that junk is the stuff that just bites. (laughs) For sure. But life is beautiful. Because God is always good. Life is full of joy and peace and gladness and the wonderment of every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. So wisdom prevents us from speaking out things that are contradictory, like saying that life stinks. Life does not stink the curse stinks.
0: Right, right.
1: We can profess and say, God, you're good and you are the giver of life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and and give it to you more Mm -hmm. abundantly. So if you have confessed and professed that life stinks, well, why would you want more life? right? Right, right. It's taking back the
0: terms. Yeah. You know, again, it's so easy to let the world redefine what something means. You know, I've heard them take grace Redefine it. I've heard people take love, redefine it. But let's get back to God's definition.
1: Right. Of Remember, we read, like, um, I think it was uh, in Proverbs 7, talking about the harlot says, Come, let's take our fill of love till morning. Right. Sounds like a nice worship song. Yeah, right. But, you know, like you said, it was basically stealing the term, hijacking the term, and giving it really a wrong meaning. Verse 9, wisdom is still talking, and wisdom is talking about her words and her truth, and she says they are all plain to him who understands. So, you know, it's very important to have understanding. That's why wisdom says get understanding because to him who understands, wisdom becomes plain. You can actually see it. It becomes apparent and opens his heart and write to those who find knowledge and live by it. Mm. And we're talking about godly knowledge here because there so is good. a worldly knowledge that really is devilish, James says.
0: Yeah. Ten, receive my instructions in preference to striving for silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. I saw a little cartoon one time. It was so interesting. It showed all these people willing to dish out all this money for any kind of entertainment. Not that it's wrong to go to the amusement park or go to a movie or something, but they were dishing out all this money and there was somebody there with wisdom and they weren't willing to even give 50 cents for wisdom. I think we need to really pause and think of our life. How much are we willing to even spend on getting wisdom? Right. Everything, well, that costs money. Yeah. For wisdom for your life answers, understanding that will help you, your family, your your purpose, your job, your ministry, your outreach, whatever you're involved in going forward. We get one word and then we're out the door. Instead of realizing, wait, there's an understanding. There's an understanding that will come up big in your heart. So you understand it, and then you go out in power and in order so that you don't implode or self-destruct. But there's something that continues to go forward. And you know, increase. Um,
1: when I read this verse, it may sound simple. Receive my instruction and in preference, striving for silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. But for me, this is really profound because it makes me think I learned to play guitar when I was a boy, and my mom would give me her hard-earned money. She was a single mom. And she knew my desire was to learn to play music, learn to play guitar. And I remember how hard she would have to work for her money and how little money we had in our home. But she would give me her money as a little boy to get guitar lessons and how precious that money was because I would trade that money to get understanding and knowledge of how to play guitar. I would exchange my mom's money. So that I could learn to play guitar. And I've taught guitar in my life, and I've seen people struggling learning to try to play something, and how easy it is for me as an instructor to say, Hey, if you just drop your thumb like this, then you get, oh, and they're like, Oh my goodness, how come it's so much easier? And how easy it is when you have the right instructor. And I think saying that, Pam, you know, what comes up in my heart is that life, true life, does not come natural. And I think sometimes people think because they're born into life, people think that life should come natural. I'm a human born on earth. Therefore, I should be able to just live, thrive, grow. But it doesn't. Respect doesn't come natural. Honor does not come natural. Casting learning off
0: a fence does not come naturally. Little
1: kids learn that even eating properly, eating good food, does not come naturally. Right? You know, learning to exercise does not come naturally. These are all things that you need to be mentored in. You need to be instructed in. you need to be encouraged in. You need to overcome self and you have to discipline yourself to get into. Life comes supernaturally, not naturally. And I think if you, right now when you're listening As we're reading this word, if you would just lock in on this truth, life comes supernaturally. Not naturally, supernaturally. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We accept Jesus. We get the word of God in our hearts. Everything is by faith. The just shall live by faith. That's Mm -hmm. a supernatural way of living. We live in this natural world successfully by being supernatural and supernatural just means we have to supersede the natural because the natural is under a curse. Yeah, that's right. This is so beautiful. So verse 11, we continue and wisdom still talking says for skillful and godly wisdom is better than rubies. Rubies are one of the most priceless stones on earth. Rubies are pearls and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Whatever you think right now in your mind is some of the most lavish, wonderful things that can be bought with money. Think of the most lavish vacation. Think of the most lavish stuff and things. And it's Says wisdom is so much better. There's just no comparison with all of that stuff. Wisdom blows the doors off of it. Think of the most lavish castle you've ever seen on television or in a movie or in a picture. Wisdom blows the doors off of it. You know, like some of those places seen in California and Hollywood. This mansion's up for sale for like $100 million. Wisdom blows the doors off of that mansion.
0: Yeah, and I think that we should posture our hearts to realize that it's so precious and so valuable. I know I've heard many times different people, different ages, from pastors to a guy just the other day going to college saying, you know, when he heard one of your sermons and your teaching, he said, Oh my goodness, this is rocking my world. This is going to change my entire way of thinking. He got wisdom and understanding. Understanding. And it was so very, very precious to him. But I think sometimes we scorn wanting to even dish out our time currency, attention currency, or or even our money currency to posture ourselves to receive a wisdom and understanding that God has given somebody that they can easily unfold it to us. And yet we scorn, oh, well, I don't want to pay for that. I, but they'll go down and spend all this money on popcorn to go to a movie that does not give them wisdom or understanding. Nothing wrong with going to a movie and having popcorn. Right. But they'll spend all this money and they said, Well, that's gonna cost $5 or $10. I think we need to posture ourselves, rearrange our way of thinking. That no, 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 We need to pour out the currency of attention, of time, and even the currency of money to posture ourselves to receive wisdom and true understanding from God. That's
1: really good, Pam. That's really good.
0: 12. I, wisdom from God, make prudence my dwelling, and I find out knowledge and discretion.
1: So now we know where wisdom lives. Wisdom lives at an address called prudence, Mm, which, as we we talked about, is foresight for the future. So wisdom lives at a place called foresight for the future. And, you know, a lot of times when I think of prudence, I think of seed, time, and harvest— Wisdom lives at the place where it's even before the seed goes into the ground. So you discern the seed you have in your hand. You discern the ground you're sowing in. That's why you never, you know, I've said this before, you never curse somebody who does you wrong because the moment you curse, that's a seed Yeah, and it's going out there and cursed seeds are like weeds, Mm -hmm. man, they can grow up and you don't want the harvest on them. Right. We bless those who curse us. One of the greatest blessings that you can do for somebody that curses you is forgive them. Mm-hmm. You know, forgiveness is a seed. It
0: really is. Yeah. To let
1: go and, you know, it benefits you. All these things benefit you. Forgive me for making you seem self-centered, but you sow the seeds that you're willing to walk into the fields of harvest. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And enjoy. Again, I come back to Galatians 6, where it says that God is not mocked that whatsoever a man or a woman sows, that and that only is what they will reap. Verse 13, the... The reverent fear and worshipful awe of the Lord. Remember now, when we talk about fear, we're talking about from the Hebrew language. It means the hand you see. So if you see the hand of the destroyer coming, there's a terror that comes in your heart. It's the wrong kind of fear. Oh, yeah. It's an awful fear. It brings torment. If you see the hand of Jehovah coming, the hand of the provider, the hand of the guarder, the hand of the one that protects you and and provides for you and shelters you, Oh, you see his hand coming and there's this awe that comes in your heart, like, oh, it's going to be all right. Yeah. You know, it's a reverent fear. Remember, it's the hand you see, you have a great reverence for that hand coming, but that hand's not coming to strike you. That hand's coming to shelter, protect, save, lift, Mm -hmm. adore, caress. God wants to be affectionate with you and put his hands around you and protect you. The word talks about God's hand. And when it talks about God's hand being like a wing that covers its little chicks, isn't it fun when you see like on, you know, some of the, Those nature shows when the little bird puts its wings over its baby chicks and the mother becomes like a little (laughs) building to those chicks and shelters and keeps them dry from the rain.
0: So precious. The
1: reverent fear, so the hand you see, the reverent fear, worshipful awe of the Lord includes, it includes, the fear of the Lord includes the hatred of evil, the hatred of pride. Arrogance, the hatred of the evil way, and the perverted and twisted speech. I hate, says wisdom. So remember in Proverbs (laughs) 6, we read that six things does the Lord hate. Yes. And we know that the Lord, God himself, is love. So wisdom hates the same stuff and junk that love hates.
0: I'd like to interject here. Like, I really, when I've read this too, you know, I write songs, I lead worship, and, you know, it's very interesting being around so many circles across the world, some ministering in crowds up to 30 40,000 people, and seeing people raise their hand and worship the Lord, and it's wonderful, but... I feel like that there's a little check that we need to always bring ourselves under submission to. Even the word worship, you know, true worship is worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. In other words, his way of thinking and his spirit and his truth. And also, I think it's important to know we can call ourselves a worshiper, we can tattoo it on our forehead, but we're not a true worshiper if we are walking consistently in hatred, unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. Easily offended, pride, arrogance, it's all about me, it's what I do, condescending attitudes, demoralizing people. This is very strong what I'm going to say, but you and I, when we do that, we are not a true worshiper. I don't care if we lead thousands in a congregation. Remember when
1: Jesus talks to the woman at the well, Jesus talks to her, and the whole conversation ends in the Samaritan village with Jesus saying, the day is coming when the true worshipers. Mm. Jesus qualifies a worshiper. He doesn't say the day is coming when worshipers will worship the Father and Spirit and truth. He says the day is coming when the true worshipers. Okay. You know, Jesus throughout the Gospels made it clear that there is worship that's even fake worship and there is true worship. There is worship that goes nowhere. Just like he said, there's prayers that go nowhere. Talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Remember, he told the story once of two men that were in the temple. One was a Pharisee who was kind of praying and saying, Oh, God, thank you that I'm nothing like that guy across the room. And Jesus said that guy went back to his house, still steeped in his own sins and unjustified, whereas the other man bowed his head to the ground and said, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was humble. And the Bible says that he went to his house justified by God. Mm. God heard his prayer and forgave him. And, you know, it says right here what we just read, the fear of God, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord includes the hatred it's not only seeing the hand of god and the worshipful awe of the lord it includes the hatred of evil pride and arrogance and like you said we've been brought into churches you and i as consultants to help churches with their staff and in particular with their worship team because there's been churches that i've known pastor friends of mine that have had worship leaders that are great singers and maybe great musicians but are struggling in the area of pride and arrogance Maybe struggling in the area of even twisted speech. You notice what it said? Wisdom hates twisted speech. And you know, sometimes people get into worshiping leading in songs that have twisted speech. You know, we talked about taking a quote from the harlot saying, come let us take our fill of love Mm -hmm. till morning. Sometimes people think because there's a statement that sounds kind of poetic in the Bible, you can basically pull a little bit of Job, a little bit of this harlot, a little bit of this, and somehow put together a worship song, and that it really is a worship song. But it's not true worship. Right. And you know, you're a writer. I'm a writer.
0: We love poetic painting, beautiful pictures. But I think still, again, we have to submit ourselves to the kingdom of God, his way of thinking and doing things, his His wisdom and understanding, his truth. When we're even writing, we don't have the privilege, if you want to say, to indulge in anything that would not only be wrong way, but would paint the tone to be different than who God really is. It's very important to know everything that's within you, detest when pride, arrogance, unforgiveness, perverted and twisted speech easily if it comes up in ourself. So yeah. if we're a true worshiper, we actually will not tolerate it in ourself. The word says that we're to judge ourselves. But I've led before 10,000 people and people are raising their hand crying and they're all singing my songs. Yeah. How are you treating the person when you walk out those doors?
1: Yeah, that's a good personal test.
0: And I think we should not tolerate it in us because we should want to say, you know, when we're at home by ourselves, when we're hurting and we're singing around the piano, when no one sees, I want to be a true worshiper with you, Lord. Yeah. I want my heart to be pure. I want to know that I've been kind to people. I've cast off offense. I've put off sorrow. I've walked into your joy when nobody sees it.
1: Yeah, that's good, Pam. That's good. You know, there's been times when even in our private life at home, and I've been convicted just in our relationship at home. And maybe I've said something to you. And the Holy Spirit's really convicted me that in saying, Stephen, you know what? You just said to Pam, I didn't like that. That was with pride. You know, you may have said the right thing, but that was pride or that was arrogance. Times like that, I can hear the voice of wisdom saying, you need to repent of that right now. Because if I don't take care of that stuff in my secret life at home with you in our house, and I don't make things right and walk right in my inner relationships, my inner sanctum relationships, and keep things right with you, then it affects the integrity. If I go out and preaching or Mm -hmm. singing or leading a worship or whatever, it affects the integrity of it because the thing is, that's just the way wisdom works. Wisdom is all about expressing itself in and through reality. That's why Jesus said in John 4, he said to the woman at the well, The day is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So it's not enough just even to sing the right song, but you have got to surrender your heart well, good. so that the spirit side of it is intact. There's the duality of spirit and in truth. You can't be cheating on your wife or cheating on your husband, but then singing the right song and somehow think that it's worship because that's kind of like what the harlot did. She's like, right. oh, look, I've prayed my prayers and I've made I've my sacrifices. I, my I just came songs. from a prayer yeah. meeting. So, you know, <laughs> let's go to bed together.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Verse 14.
0: I have counsel. Is this wisdom talking? Still wisdom though? talking. Okay. Yeah. I have counsel and sound knowledge. I have understanding. I have power. And might. Ooh, I like that. Man,
1: by me, kings reign and rulers decree justice.
0: 16, by me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges and governors of the earth.
1: Somebody might be thinking... This is the
0: way it should be. (laughs) Right. Somebody
1: might be thinking, well, you know, what's that got to do with me? Because I'm not a king and I'm not a ruler. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, Wait a sec. Whoa, 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 You got Jesus, the king of all kings, living in your heart. Romans 5.17 says this, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we, that's you and me, Me, you, Pam, we reign as kings in In life life, by Jesus Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Like that. So, I I mean, you know, if you're going to reign, you need to be able to start reigning right now over your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. I find it a little bit humorous that people want to change the world. They want to change others but yet they don't want to change the world on the inside of them. Right. It's like, let's change the world, but you know, as far as my thinking goes, oh no, I don't want to change my thinking. No, no, no. But we've all got to elevate and take dominion over our own thinking. Reign as a king over your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Get control over that anger problem. Take authority and dominion over over that lust problem, over that coveting problem, over that, maybe it's even depression and sorrow. Get control over that stuff. Take authority over it in Jesus' name. Become the king over your mind, will, and emotions, and bring it under the authority and surrender to the king of all kings. And as you do that, you will automatically be affecting the whole world around you. Yes, Yes. (laughs)
0: Wisdom says,
1: I love those who love me. That's why a lot of times I say, Wisdom, I love you. And I sure do know that you love me. Wisdom says, I love those who love me and those who seek me early and diligently shall find me. Well, yes, early in the morning, but maybe you work the graveyard shift or the whatever, the late shift. And you go to bed at seven and you're like, oh, I guess apparently I can't seek wisdom. It means seek wisdom early and diligently in all circumstances. Get wisdom before you start dating that person. Get wisdom before you sign that contract. Get wisdom before you buy that car, before you buy that house. Get wisdom before you go and take that course at school or before you sign up for this or before you apply to that university Get wisdom.
0: And you know, sometimes it really is challenging. You know, when we have little kids and they get up raring to go and we got to fix this and we're doing that and off to here. And but sometimes, you know, even Getting up one half hour, it's hard (laughs) because, well, I'm going to be, you know, really groggy in the day, but there's a moment where maybe you can catch that back, even with a quick little closing of the eyes or just resting, but even getting up 30 minutes earlier, just to kind of
1: order your day. Successful people say five minutes of early planning can add hours of productivity to your day. So just imagine that submitted to God's wisdom.
0: Order your day, put some candles on, nice, peaceful, instrumental music, go before the Lord and feel His presence, hear His voice, read the Word like you're doing now with us, sing a song, even if it's 15 minutes early, but really paint your day, order your day. It's amazing. And I know everybody's different. They're doing all sorts of different shifts at work. And I understand, but sometimes I think we really could do 15 minutes, 30 minutes earlier.
1: Absolutely. And listen, when you and I started this back when we first got married, this wasn't easy. Like, we had to initiate, break the ground, break the ice for a new habit in our life and our marriage. We had to set up an altar, so to speak, in our life. You and I were traveling all the time on the road then. So, right. I mean, our schedule was always in flux. We were catching early flights, we were in hotels, we were in different places. I remember many times sitting on the plane, taking off opening up the Bible and having this time, reading Proverbs, reading the book of James together, reading the Gospels together on the plane, on the ground, in a hotel, in somebody's house, in a restaurant, taking time to break the Word of God, break the bread together, and eat God's Word.
0: Exactly. And you've know, you been a pastor for the last eight years, and we go in early most of the days. Yeah. And a lot of times we're even going through different prayer meetings at church, but that did not take the place. We would still get up before the sun came up to have our time of listening to the Lord. Sometimes you think, oh, well, you're there, and you're going to be there all day, and you've got a whole bunch of other prayer meetings. It doesn't take Take the place of ordering your day yourself Absolutely. with you, your spouse, your kids.
1: To your me, it's, I always liken it to hooking up a spiritual IV. This is what you're doing right now, my friend. As you're driving down the road, or you're at home with the kids, or you're on a sales call, or maybe you're running, you're out for a jog, or in the gym. Man, this is what you're doing. You're hooking up a spiritual IV Mm, as we read the Word of God together, and you're injecting God's Word into your life. I just want to encourage you again to encourage others to listen to this, to take some time to go through the book of Proverbs from beginning to end. This brings life. It's especially so good for those of us who've been fatherless, those of us who've been without that spiritual mentorship and... Father in our life, as we read these words, these are coming from the spiritual father of fathers, and he is breathing, Mm -hmm. he's breathing his DNA into our being and affirming that we have been adopted by the blood of Jesus. So this is so encouraging. Verse 18.
0: Riches and honor are with me. This is what wisdom is saying. Riches and honor are with me.
1: Verses like this were so convicting to me because it made me realize I really was without wisdom, and I thought I had the fear of God, the worshipful awe of God. The enemy loves to take this and slap you around. Don't let him. No, no. Jesus said, I haven't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So don't let condemnation in. That's a little hard to say right now. <laughs> but let conviction come in and encourage you. It should say, here's a vision of your future. Right. That's what it should be saying. This is where you can be. This is what you can do. Have riches and honor. Go ahead, Pam.
0: Riches and honor are with me. This is what wisdom says. Enduring wealth and rightness. Uprightness in every area in relation and right standing with God.
1: When you read this, for me, here's how I hear this for your life, my friend. God's will for you is His wisdom, first and foremost. To start with wisdom and understanding. But God's will for you is riches and honor. Isn't that awesome?
0: It really is because, you know, riches think of the cartoon, Richie Rich, dripping with gold. But riches is such a rich word. It's so huge. The riches and wealth of great relationships, the riches and wealth of having provision and being blessed to bless others. The riches of divine health, the riches of a clear mind, the riches of being able to express yourself and also receive love from others in a free way, in God's way, that's enduring wealth and rightness.
1: Yeah. And for me, I feel like you're Here's a complimentary verse from Psalm that really, I feel like Pam paints a beautiful picture of riches, the riches and honor God's talking about. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Now,
1: that's riches. The path of life. Yeah. To walk the path of life. That's riches. And then it says, in your presence. Well, even just to stop there, to live a life in the presence of God.
0: Oh, how good that is.
1: Oh, man. The fulfillment as a son of God to be constantly in the presence of my Abba Father. Yeah. That is wealth untold. Mm -hmm. But it says, listen to this. Psalm 16, verse 11, you show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Mm. Pam, I love being filled with the joy of the Lord. I love it. And the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So good. His joy is this empowerment and this strengthening. To be rich with joy. Oh, man. And then it goes on and it says, and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Yay
0: for us.
1: Like it's unending. (laughs) It's unending the pleasure. So again, back to what you read, Pam, riches and honor are with wisdom. I like that. I want to get wisdom. In verse 19. Wisdom says, my fruit is better than gold. Yes, then refine gold. And my increase, then choice, silver. Wisdom's really putting an evaluation on the fruit that comes from her life. Yes, just on how important that is. 20.
0: I, Wisdom, walk in the way of rightness moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and every relationship in the midst of the paths of justice. There's a song I like. It goes, let justice roll like a river. And justice is putting everything in order so everything works right and it produces joy. But I, wisdom, walk in the way of rightness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relationship in the midst of the paths of justice.
1: Verse 21 that I may cause. So, verse 20 happens. Wisdom does this. Wisdom gives us the way of righteousness, spiritual rectitude in every area and relation, and in the midst of the paths of justice. So, wisdom leads us in the paths of justice so that verse 21 happens. Well, what happens in 21? Wisdom says, that I may cause. So, here's the outcome of walking in the way of righteousness and on the paths of justice. That I may cause those who love me I love wisdom, Pam. Mm-hmm. That I may cause those who love me. Remember, Jesus is made the manifest wisdom of God to us. So when we talk about wisdom, mm, that's so Jesus good. is the very personification mm. of wisdom to mm-hmm. the nth degree, to the extreme. Wisdom says that I may cause those who love me to inherit true riches and that I may fill their treasuries. <laughs>
0: Wow, that is so, so good. 22, the Lord formed and brought me wisdom forth at the beginning of his way, before his acts of old.
1: So notice, before God did anything. Before, at the very beginning of time, God made anything, did anything, God is always getting wisdom. It says, like you just read, He brought me forth wisdom at the beginning of His way, before His acts of old. Verse 23 I wisdom was inaugurated and ordained from everlasting, from the beginning, before ever even the earth existed, before there ever even was such a thing as dust and dirt before the earth existed.
0: This is so good because sometimes I find that, you know, I'm a creative person and the Lord, and I'm also prophetic, so I kind of see things ahead and visionary we are. But it's so important that before you create something, you get the way of God, His thoughts on it, how to do it. It's very important. We've said this many times, but if the will of God is for me to jump from the first floor to the second floor, I have a tendency to want to just jump in one great big jump, even though there's 20 steps to get to the, the second floor. Well, in doing that, a lot of times, if you just jump one big jump, unless it's a supernatural kind of thing. You could pull gonna, your gazarchus. You could pull your gazarcus You could sprain a bunch of things and end up hurting yourself badly and actually delaying you getting to that second floor. Where if I just take one step and another step and then I look around and I get more wisdom, another step. I see things differently on the third step than I did on the first step. I see things differently on the fifth step than I did on the first step. I have more wisdom, more understanding. But so by the time I get to that floor, which is the second floor, is the will of God for me to get to, I understand more. I am thankful, but there's something I learned through the process. So I think, you know, as creative people, well, I've got to just say this right now. I've got to just do it right now. No, no, no. When God gives you something, burst a creativity in you, make sure that there's a process of rolling it out in the right way. Listen to God all through the way and don't be
1: afraid of process. As God gives you the process, I think what you're saying is a lot of times people want the miracle of the suddenly just like, let there be and it's just kaboom, there it is. As opposed to the blessing of what God can give birth to in the process. A woman giving birth to a baby, that baby is destined to be a professional NBA basketball player. But she didn't give birth to a seven foot human (laughs) being. She gave birth to a little nine pound, right? right? So many inches, little, little fella. Yeah, right. Right. And I think then through the process of raising him up and watching him grow, there's a lot of beautiful treasures that happen in that process that otherwise wouldn't have happened if she just adopted a 22 year old seven-foot basketball player. Nothing wrong with that, but she didn't get the pleasure and the joy of raising, teaching that little fellow how to read and all that kind of stuff. Using your analogy, going from floor one to floor two, and it not being just this supernatural levitation experience or supernatural jump, as God miraculously gives you a staircase you leave something behind you of mm-hmm. legacy yeah, where good. you can bring many other people right. up the staircase. And I think that's the thing that I like is Genesis 12, 2 says, when God promised Abraham, he said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. I want to be a blessing. I don't want to just get to the second floor or the third floor or the fifth floor myself. I want to be able to bring people with me. And so I think a lot of times that requires God, through me, gives birth to staircases. That,
0: That is so good.
1: Gives birth to what you're talking about, the process. And so even as we're going through the Proverbs here, there's been things that you and I have learned as we have digested this book and as we've experienced life that we want to download with you. We want to download with you who are listening the process of going from floor one to floor two. And we've been in deep, dark circumstances. We've been in troubling situations with tears running down our face. We've been through some circumstances where people would like to call it hell on earth. But, you know, God has used this wisdom to help us build staircases. He's been the one who's built the staircase, but he's given us the pleasure and the enjoyment of being able to celebrate one step after another step that keeps elevating and lifting us up to the next floor and the next floor.
0: It really is the process of a miracle.
1: Let's just review here. We read verse 23. I, wisdom, was inaugurated and ordained from everlasting, from the beginning, before ever the earth existed. Verse 24.
0: When there was no deeps, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains laden with water.
1: Verse 25, before the mountains were settled. You know, a lot of times scientists like to talk about the mountains and the ice age and stuff. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, wisdom says, I was brought forth. Before God ever made a decision for the Grand Canyon, wisdom was brought forth. Long before any of that stuff, wisdom was brought forth.
0: 26, while as yet he had not made the land or the field or the first of the dust of the earth.
1: Well, no wonder, right? I mean, wisdom had to be brought forth because remember, God formed man's body out of the dust of the earth. So, I mean, good thing to get wisdom even before you have your dust. You know you're going to do something pretty special with that dust down the road. So God's got foresight. God's got prudence. He's already planning, and that's why he gets wisdom, because he's going to do something special even with the dust.
0: You know what? As we were reading that, it made me think he made us, in his image, we're his sons and daughters. We were really the most important, like the earth wasn't the most important. The trees, the hills, we weren't made for them. They were made for us. Right. But isn't it interesting? He didn't make us first. Like you said, he prepared what we were going to be. He prepared everything. And then after it was all created, then he did really the most important thing, us.
1: Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that beautiful? He He made mankind on day six. Yeah. So all these other things that he was making for us to have authority and dominion over. It was like God was getting ready for Christmas. He was making all these yeah. things and getting all these gifts ready and doing the gift wrapping and and even like, you know, and let's make some cows. Yeah. And let's get some, you know, like, you know, elephants let's get some other stuff. things going on yeah. here. Yeah, some elephants and giraffes and let's make all this stuff. And then it's like, okay, now let's bring my kids on the scene. Right. And here we go. Let's bring my sons and daughters. Right, right. And look at everything I made Yay. you and look at all this beautiful stuff.
0: 27.
1: When he prepared the heavens... I-wisdom was there when God drew a circle upon the face of the deep and stretched out the firmament over it.
0: 28, when he made firm the skies above, when he established
1: the fountains of the deep. Verse 29, when he gave to the sea its limit and his decree that the water should not transgress across the boundary set by his command when he appointed the foundations of the earth. 30, then
0: I-wisdom was beside him as a master and director of the work and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always.
1: Isn't that beautiful? That's awesome. Verse 31, rejoicing in his inhabited earth and delighting in the sons of men. You know, that's the thing. Wow. Is wisdom, wisdom delights in, in the sons us. and daughters yeah. of mankind.
0: 32, now therefore listen to me, O you sons and daughters, for blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are those who keep my ways. Let
1: me ask you a question, folks. Do you want to be happy? Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. Are you happy? Do you feel fortunate? Right now, let me ask you, is your life enviable? Mm -hmm. Does the world envy your life? I've asked myself these questions. I've sat myself down basically and said, Stephen, do you really feel blessed? Like, are you happy? Do you feel fortunate? Are you fortunate? Is your life enviable by anyone?
0: it's really good.
1: I've asked those questions. And then if I didn't like the answer, then I said to myself, you need to listen even more to wisdom, right? You need to get more wisdom. It says here what you just read now, therefore, listen to me. That's what wisdom said. The main price to really pay for an audience with wisdom is you got to know how to listen.
0: Really watch Jesus. You know, he talked with such power, but so many times he asked questions yeah. and he listened. And, you know, even when you think about it, when he was a child and his mom and dad, remember? Luke chapter 2. His mom and stepdad, they went back and they went to the temple and then they left to go back home and thought he was in the caravan. He wasn't, so they had to turn around and go back. Where is he? And he was in the temple and it says that he was sitting asking questions
1: and of they the were teachers
0: in, and the lawyers.
1: And they were in awe. The Bible says the religious leaders and lawyers were in awe of his questions. Right. I remember times in my life where I felt so convicted of not listening to wisdom. I read verses like this and I'm thinking, there were times of such unhappiness in my life. And I know what it was. The main reason was because I wasn't listening to wisdom.
0: As you're saying this, I just really feel like some of you that are listening right now, You're so precious. You're so faithful. You even pray. You read God's Word every day. It's like every minute of every day is filled with good activities and busyness. You're just going to go for it. You're going to do everything you can to make your mark on this world, and you're going on and on. But I want you to just take a deep breath and ask the Holy Spirit, are you getting margin in your life to listen? Because some of you are very discouraged, almost thinking sowing and reaping really doesn't work. I live my life trying to do the right things pray, I do this, I go to everything that there is. I'm so involved with outreach, whatever, but yet I feel like I have no joy, I have no peace, I have no answers from my family, from my work, from my kids, from my marriage what's wrong? Is God not hearing me? Do I still need to do one more thing to get him to, to somehow turn his face to me and give me answers? No, his face is towards you. But I would say to you, like I've said to myself many times, Pam, listen. He's got answers for you. Listen. In the midst of everything, make your goal today. Make your goal, no matter how busy it is, how filled with good things that you're doing. You have to listen. We have to listen because He wants to unfold a new wisdom principle, a new understanding, a new answer for our life that will make us go forward and not stay where we're at.
1: I like that, Pam. You know, I I was just thinking as you were talking, I want to just come back on. Sometimes we listen because we feel like we have to perform almost religiously. We listen to try to change the world. But my friend, let me just encourage you. Listen to be changed. And that totally dovetails into Genesis 12 too. If you listen to be changed, in other words, listen to be blessed, without trying to rush out the door and change the world, if you allow yourself to be transformed... You will automatically be an agent, a Holy Ghost assigned agent of transformation to the world. Genesis 12 two again, Abraham was promised. God said, I will bless you and make you a great blessing. Listen, you can only give what you authentically have. And this is what I've seen so many people do, Pam. I'm sure it's often with the best intentions But people burn themselves out on the altar of self-sacrifice because it seems noble and loving. But as we know, good intentions are not always the same as obedience. God states clearly in Psalm 40, and I believe it's verse six, that he doesn't delight in sacrifice, but that he's given us the ability to hear. And so what God really wants is obedience, Mm -hmm. right?
0: It's so good because I think there's so many North American religious expressions that I hear all the time that seem to glorify our sacrifice and burning out for Jesus. Burn
1: out for the Lord.
0: You know, not only are they unbiblical, they do something very sinister. Mm -hmm. I think they set us up for self-glorification and almost become an idol of ourself. They turn the world's attention away from the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus.
1: It's substituting His work then with our work. Right, you know, and the problem with that is, There's only salvation in one person, Mm. Jesus. I could die a thousand deaths. You could die a thousand deaths and not save one person, but why bother trying? Jesus has already triumphed, my friend. He's victorious over Mm. all things called death, hell, and the grave. And we should focus on his finished work, period. Be blessed so that you can be a phenomenal blessing. See, then therefore it becomes the work of the Lord. The Bible doesn't say that you'll build the church. The Bible says that Jesus will build the church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Don't assume that you're the guy, that somehow that God can't do it without you. You're thinking outside of a realm of what you should be. You should be thinking with a humility it's all dependent on Jesus, and it's really about you just receiving. Just as you're hearing these words, listen to wisdom for you, for you to change, for you to be transformed, because you're His workmanship. Isn't that what Ephesians 2.10 says? We are His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, which He has before ordained. God's already ordered the work that will be represented in your life of the kingdom. So stop sweating it, quit trying to change the world, and allow your heart to be changed. That's why you listen. Verse 33, hear instruction. Wisdom's still talking. Pam just read in 32, now therefore listen to me. And now for 33, hear instruction and be wise. And don't refuse and don't neglect it. All right, here we go. Verse 34. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be
0: envied is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates and waiting at the post of my doors.
1: There we are. We're waiting on wisdom. We're watching daily at her gates. Yeah. Wow. Verse 35. For whoever finds me, wisdom, finds life, draws forth and obtains favor from the Lord. You know, a
0: lot of times we hear the word favor. I totally, all through the word of God, Old and New Testament, it talks about the favor of the Lord being like a cloud that surrounds us. But sometimes it becomes like this little catchphrase, I got the favor of the Lord, got the favor of the Lord. And it's like way more deeper than just these thrown out little phrases that we use. Sometimes you really don't feel the favor of the Lord, but we need to then check, are we listening? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's good, Pam, because we should have a zero excuse policy for ourselves, knowing that God never fails and His favor never fails. Do
0: we feel like we have abundant life where are enjoying this life, and do we feel the favor, and do we see the favor of the Lord? Because it's true, God wants to surround us as sons and daughters with His favor, His fragrance, but if we're not experiencing that, then we need to be listening, because God's got some answers.
1: You know, that's really good, Pam, because what you're saying here is that when we talk about the favor being likened to God's grace... And grace is unmerited favor, undeserved favor. But in this case right here, wisdom saying when you find wisdom, when you pursue wisdom, when you're listening and going after wisdom and waiting at wisdom's doorpost, it says here that you find life and you draw forth, you obtain, which means to gain. To obtain something means to gain it. You gain it. You go after it. You succeed at getting the favor of God. You get the favor from the Lord when you have wisdom. And verse 36.
0: But he who misses me or sins against me, wisdom, will wrong and injure himself. For all who hate me, wisdom, all who hate wisdom, love and court death.
1: Wow. It's kind of like this. When you obey the law of the land, you drive on, you know, we're in North America, you drive on the right side of the road. When you drive on the left side of the road, you court death, don't you? Absolutely right. I mean, we've heard of people who've been inebriated or somehow something mentally broke down and they ended up getting on a highway going the wrong way. That's like death waiting to happen. And it
0: wasn't the person that invented the car or invented the highway. They're not mad at you. They're not permanently causing you to have an accident. God's not wanting any of us to perish. He wants to give us abundant life. But if we choose to not get wisdom and jump out of a plane at 10,000 feet without a parachute or proper knowledge of how to run that parachute, we might possibly hit the ground. And it certainly wouldn't be the will of our Father that that would happen. God has a long life for us to accomplish great things. But again, if we sin against the law and if we don't choose to get wisdom, I'm thinking of a really precious young man that we know who really been hurt As a child, pushed from family member to family member, has had such severe pains, people dying in his family, some really, really deep hurts and insecurities. Came to the Lord and really loves the Lord, but now goes full force into. It's just all about what he can do for the Lord. And he's never really allowed God, got wisdom and understanding on how to heal his heart.
1: Got trapped on the wheels of performance.
0: How to walk in healing, how to get rid of the effects in his mind, will, and even his body of the hurts and laying and taking it to the cross. You know, he's going out rushing and doing things, but it's like he didn't, he's not getting the wisdom and understanding on how to really get healed and walk and live out of that wholeness. Yeah,
1: Galatians talks about that, getting the finished work of the cross in your life, the finished work of Jesus in your life by grace, by mercy, and then somehow thinking that you can add to it your own sacrifice, that somehow Jesus' sacrifice wasn't quite enough. And that's really important. And again, that's wisdom. That's the wisdom of God. That's why we thank God for wisdom. And so let's, as we always do, Let's just now pray the word. We've been meditating on the word now. Let's pray the word. Pam and I want to agree and pray this word over your life. So Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare that we love your wisdom and wisdom loves us. And Father God, as we, with the help of the Holy Spirit, tune our ear to the voice of wisdom and we hear the excellent and princely things that wisdom has to say to us, Father, we know that wisdom is calling us to a higher place, calling all of us to a higher position in you to really be the royalty that Jesus died on the cross to make us. Jesus, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the child of God, died on a cross that we might be sons and daughters of the Most High God, being adopted into the royal family. We got a DNA transfer. It's not just even a paper decree, but it is a blood decree that we've been made children of the Most High God. So yes, we need to operate in wisdom and wisdom trains us to reign. By the wisdom of God, we are trained to reign to the glory of Almighty God. And wisdom says that as we get her, as we receive that spirit in us, that wisdom causes us to inherit true riches, fills our treasuries, and wisdom's fruit is better than gold and better than silver, and wisdom shows us the way to walk in life. Father, we believe we receive this. And Father, you got wisdom, you inaugurated wisdom before you made or did anything of creation so father we want to be the same every fork in the road every place of decision whether it's small or great we want to get wisdom and with all our getting get understanding father thank you for the gift of wisdom thank you for qualifying us by the righteousness of jesus for wisdom. Lord, we are vessels of honor able to hold and retain and contain the very wisdom of the eternal God on the inside of us. In fact, Lord, your word says that, Lord, you have made Christ in us the hope of glory. So, Father, we've got the very person of wisdom living on the inside of us. We have the mind of Christ according to your word in 1 Corinthians. So, Father, we just receive and believe right now every part of this wisdom that we've been reading today. And we ask that the fruit of wisdom, the outcome of wisdom be manifest in every one of our lives. May the outcome of wisdom be manifest in signs and wonders, in healings and deliverances, in blessings and riches, in opportunities, skillful and witty inventions and ideas. Father God, make it manifest in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that we are called people, called to be blessed, to be happy, to be fortunate, it. Father, thank you that that's what you've done to us. So we declare that our ears are open to hear the word of God. Yes. Lord, our hearts are open, receptive to the seed of your word and your wisdom. And Father, we just pray that wisdom will grow up and manifest in a great harvest now to your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
0: Hey, and check out our website. And new things are happening every day. Thank you so much for some of you who are sponsoring these life podcasts that are going around the world, reaching people that you and I might not ever get to meet face to face. So thank you so much.
1: Make sure you share this stuff with your friends. Get your friends hooked on the Word of God. Get them believe in the Word. If you know somebody that needs Jesus, that needs to have life in their life, they're discouraged, they're troubled, or maybe somebody in the hospital that just needs a healing in their body. The word of God never returns void Get them hooked up to the word of God Buy them a little device Where they can listen to these podcasts Get them a little earbud What a blessing that's going to be to them So in other people's lives You can be an agent of wisdom and healing In other people's lives
0: God bless you We love you
1: And we're so thankful to be able to spend this time with you
0: Hey, and the next time you're looking in the mirror Remind yourself You you are are born born to to win win. Thanks for listening Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization, and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.